Coming up this week on Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, Motor Trend, gets us an approximate length, width, height, and weight for Model 3. Tesla chooses its primary tire brand for the Model 3 and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you for another episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, episode number 41 for May 15th, 2016. I am so happy that it's Ride the Lightning time because that means it's been a week because I spent a good chunk of the last week knocked out by the stomach flu. That wasn't fun. Uh, it was about three days of, of just torture and then a fourth recovery day. Missed a good bit of work this week, but my goodness, it is so much, uh, so much of a relief to be feeling better. So let's get right to it. Uh, first up in Tesla news this week, Hankook Tire has been chosen as the main supplier for the Model 3, at least according to a report in the Korea Times. Uh, so this is not confirmed. We don't have an official announcement by Tesla, but according to the Korea Times, that is indeed the case. Uh, now, the question I have about this is, is that going to be for everything? Is that going to be for the uh, standard size? Because that, that's my guess. My suspicion here is that the uh, standard tire and wheel on the Model 3, which we don't know yet, we've only seen the 20-inch options, uh, the, the aero wheel on the matte finish car, and then the more turbine-style that we've seen on the, the uh, silver prototype, which has been the one that, that of course, Tesla's been doing all the photography and, and other sort of media and promotions with thus far. But, uh, and those, the, the, the 20s so far, at least on the prototypes, are, of course, as we talked a lot about last week, Michelin Pilot Super Sports. The Hankooks are, uh, by all accounts, a pretty good tire. I've had a, a one set of them on my Infinity which are the 19-inch uh, sort of low-profile tires. And they treated me just fine. And, and uh, in fact, the, the thread about this on the Tesla Motors Club forum echoed a lot of those same sentiments, that they're a pretty good tire for the money. You know, they're not the top-end best thing, but they're, they're far from uh, the worst. I know the, the worst tire I've put on my... Uh, the, at least the tire, worst tire that I've used, which, you know, I have only myself. I, I got what I paid for. Uh, I bought some Kumho's for my uh, Infinity at one point, and they were they were the cheapest tire, and they were not so great. They did not ride very well. They were not so great. So uh, Hankook, apparently, pretty good stuff for the money. And you've got to figure that again. I, like we talked about last week, plenty of other manufacturers are going to get in on it for uh, aftermarket. They'll make they'll make matching sizes for Model Three regardless of whether they're going to be, you know, staggered or, I suspect, on the standard car, not. And again, you know, my best guess, if the, what's been shown is the 20-inch. Now, of course, you know, I was talking a lot at last time about uh, thinking that the staggered 20-inch setup would be on the performance uh, and that the, the, the non-performance car might not have uh, staggered tire setup. Of course, I don't think I mentioned then, the, the prototype 
isn't, wasn't a performance, it's confirmed not to be a performance, but a prototype's a prototype. It doesn't really have a lot of rules to it. So uh, anyway, best guess is if the, uh, the high-end tire uh, wheel size is 19, uh, pardon me, 20 inch, I gotta figure that we're probably looking at an 18 inch standard tire size for the standard uh, default tire and wheel package on the Model 3. So I sus and, and again, I would guess, I would, I would be willing to lay down a small wager of money, uh, you know, a lunch bet, that those are probably not staggered. They'll probably be the same front and back. But uh, Hankook is apparently, according to a report in the Korea Times, Korea, pardon me, the Korea Times, I did have that correct. I wanted to say Korean, but it is in fact Korea Times. Chosen as the main supplier of tires for Model 3. And again, most folks uh, who I could find on the Tesla Motors Club forum seem to have pretty good experience with them, whether it's on their Model S or another car. Next up this week, Tesla... Oh, there's Maggie playing with her toys. That's a new sound for the show. Uh, Tesla has, uh, just at the end of the day Friday, this was a literal end-of-day press release. This hit my mailbox uh, just as I was about to clock out of the office uh, and head home on Friday. Tesla has named their new VP of Vehicle Production. Of course, we heard a lot about this on the investor conference call last week that, you know, Elon saying, hey, come work for us. If you, if you want to replace one of these two big uh, VP, you know, these executive level production jobs, come, come get it. We're right here. Come take on the challenge with us. And they've uh, already hired one of those. Again, the v new VP of vehicle production, Peter Hockholt. <clears throat> Let me try that one more time. I, I just stumbled halfway through it. I believe it's Peter Hockholdinger. Form, that's a very German name, formerly of German manufacturer Audi. The statement from Tesla says, Peter joins Tesla from Audi, where he has spent the last 22 years working across the entire production chain. He is currently responsible for leading the production of Audi's A4, A5, and Q5 vehicles, including 14 derivations of those models at Audi's flagship production facility for volume and technology. In total, Peter is responsible for the production of about 400,000 vehicles annually at Audi while managing thousands of employees. Peter has also been serving uh, blah, blah, blah. So uh, this is about, first of all, not only did Tesla move quickly on that, they obviously must have already been talking to the guy and already had that uh, you know, pretty well set to go. They just, uh, probably the ink wasn't dry on any of the deals, but... They moved quickly. They got that done fast. And I'll tell you, uh, this gentleman, Peter, he has experience and it's at a major manufacturer, in fact, a direct competitor to Tesla. And he has experience on a similar production rate. I mean, they say he was responsible for 400, the production of 400,000 vehicles annually across the A4, A5, Q5. So on paper, this seems like a really good hire, good stuff from Tesla. Uh, and I, I wonder... You know, if Tesla really wanted to move quickly there, because after the after that call last week, you know, Wall Street really we talked about it took to doubting Elon Musk and really sort of casting like, wait a second, is is this uh, this seems nuts? So perhaps this is a move to this moving quickly here serves as a bit of a stability uh, inducing uh, act for for the public perception, the Wall Street perception of the company now. Of course, last week's show was all about this crazy new plan to increase production and move it, move the whole plan up two years as far as the production volume levels. 
Got a few calls about that. I want to take a couple real quick right now before we get to the next news item. First up is Jeremy from Columbus, Ohio, who has a theory about the ramp up in production. Uh, I'll let him take it away. Jeremy, you're on the air. Hey, it's Jeremy from Columbus, Ohio. Again, I had a theory regarding um, ramping up production um, that it's kind of been floating around, and I know we haven't touched on it on the podcast, so I wanted to kind of uh, shed some attention to it. So uh, as we know, the 75-kilowatt-hour uh, batteries available um, for an upgrade for a couple, what, 3200 bucks, you can upgrade it to get those extra five kilowatt hours. Um, and they're doing this in order to streamline the creation of the Model S. And we know that they're really trying to ramp up the Model 3 production. So what if they took this to a completely different level with the Model 3? Um, for example, any features that could be software um, inhibited, they added as um, standard features that came with the Model 3 that you were able to unlock later on. This would streamline and make creation of the Model 3 much quicker because then the majority of the cars would already have the exact same components. For example, the, um, the air suspension or the size of the battery or any other things you can think of, the heat, uh, the um, cold weather package, um, the um, premium package with the lights, all of those could be already in the car, and you just have to pay the extra amount if you want them activated. Um, I do think this would be a really good way for them to make it quick. The question is, would the hardware too be too expensive for them to be able to put these types of things in the car? And potentially not have it being paid for. But I do think it also brings them a lot more money because you'll have people who three, four years down the line decide, okay, I want to buy that extra piece of my battery. Okay, now I want the cold winter package because we moved down south or I'm sorry, we moved up north or whatever it may be. Uh, so they're adding more money to Tesla that they otherwise wouldn't have gotten. Um, just one theory I had, uh, once again, Thanks so much for the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, talk to you later. Bye. Interesting thoughts here, Jeremy. Thank you for the call. Now, I'm no economist, but I would have to think that maybe what you're proposing is, is a tad extreme. Because I, I would have to think that the economies of scale of putting all of the stuff as much as possible into the car wouldn't outweigh the actual costs of that hardware, which you did mention. Plus, I mean, some of it just is hardware and you can't sort of artificially throttle it or limit it in some way unless you, you know, do a software upgrade package. You know, I'm talking about stuff like the upgraded sound system, the high fidelity sound system, the air suspension, you can't fake that, uh, etc. I mean, the big one would be the battery, of course, but I would think it would just be a huge waste of money and lithium and resources to put you know, a 75 kilowatt battery, uh, kilowatt hour battery in every single car and software limit the, you know, the base model to 55 kilowatt hours or whatever it's going to be. But again, you're thinking, I think in general is sound. And I think Tesla will do this anywhere they can with stuff like the stuff they do it with now, autopilot, ludicrous mode, etc. So 
Interesting thinking, and of course, we'll see what, uh, you know, the other thing being the HUD. You know, that's the, the big speculation. We've talked a lot about that over the last five shows. Will there be a HUD to, to offset the lack of any sort of instrument cluster in front of the car? Uh, boy, Maggie's usually sleeping during the show, but she's just down there on her. She's playing around. I don't know if you can hear her just kind of doing a little, it's just on her back, just going, ah. It's fun to watch. Anyway, <laughs> back to the show. Um, you know, the, the HUD has been a, a source of speculation. Could that be a thing that's built into every car, but maybe in, for, it's somehow, you know, part of a package, an upgrade package, and it's, it's there, but it's only unlocked via software. We shall see. And again, uh, one more call on this topic before moving on with the next bit of news. Travis from Virginia. You know, he, of course, heard the same conference call that we talked all about last week and the crazy uh, new growth plan for Tesla. He calls in and with a very level head, has a lot of potential concerns. He is worried. I want to let him state his concerns and then let's talk through them. Travis, go ahead. Hi, Ryan. My name is Travis, calling from Virginia. Uh, thanks so much for a great podcast I listen every week. I'm a big Elon Musk fan. I follow Tesla and SpaceX News fastidiously. I've got my deposit down for the Model 3. And so I really want to be a Tesla true believer, but recently I've been feeling very nervous about some things I'm reading about the company. So I'm really not trying to be a naysayer or so FUD, um, so I'll stick to facts. That said, uh, first, massive expansion is a dangerous time when lots of big companies have gone under, latest example being Sun Edison. The cost of lithium has doubled recently. Tesla has a price deal with um, Pure Energy Minerals Mine there in Nevada, but nobody actually knows how much lithium is in that mine, so Fortune calls it a gamble. Um, Tesla itself just listed, there's an article on electric, um, a lot of things that all have to go right in order to meet its target, um, such as complete the engineering in time, hire a bunch of uh, manufacturing executives, get all the parts in from the suppliers without delay, design and build the whole production manufacturing line without going over the projected budget. Meanwhile, they're losing money, $283 million they lost in the first quarter of 2016. They've been losing money straight for three years. Um, they need more money. They're already heavily leveraged. Um, I think it was Ars Technica had an article, Tesla's self-induced jet wash, that talked more about this. Um, the stock has sunk. It's now lower than it was before the unveil. And they're spread thin. They're trying to do everything. They're developing the Model 3, uh, also developing this mass production system. They're trying to build their enormous gigafactory, expand the supercharger network, do the power wall, fill existing orders for Model X and S while developing the next-gen autopilot and continuing to provide service to the S's and the X's, which have had some bugs. And they're doing all of this while they're having alarming turnover of company executives. So in short, um, in order to pull off this ambitious expansion, everything has to go just right. There's almost no room for error. And if it doesn't go right, everything could go downhill very fast. So I'd really appreciate your honest and always optimistic take on this. Uh, like I said, I, I want to believe, um, but I don't want to be swept up in, in the emotion of it all and, and not be realistic about this. So I uh, really appreciate your perspective, and uh, thanks again for a great show. Travis, thank you for the call. That is an excellent call. Let's, let's discuss these one by one because th that's the reality is nothing is certain here. Uh, everything that Tesla is proposing is ambitious as putting it kindly. So let's talk first about 
the, the growth rate. I think we talked a lot about that last week, but yeah, I mean, that's I, even I said on the show last week, even if they got half of their low end estimate on that, which would, you know, if they got 50,000 cars out in the fourth quarter of 20, 50,000 Model 3s, I mean, 50,000 threes out in the fourth quarter of 2017, I think that would be amazing, let alone 100 to 200,000. So yes, there is, uh, that is a fair concern. Uh, the lithium price increase, I've, I'm not familiar with that uh, myself. I haven't read anything about it. But again, the whole point of the Gigafactory is that Tesla is vertically integrating this process. They will mine it themselves. They will get it into the Gigafactory and they will convert it into lithium ion battery cells themselves. So that is as much cost control as can possibly be introduced into the process. Uh, so you mentioned everything has to go right. Absolutely. And uh, somehow with Model S, which without, if, if everything hadn't gone right with Model S, I'm not sure that there's a show right now. I'm not sure there is a Tesla. Because uh, that's, if you remember back, if you've been following Tesla for any length of time, you know, you can remember back to when the Model S was coming you know, I don't think anybody, anybody outside of Tesla expected that car to be as transformational, as, as game-changing of a vehicle as it has been. I think even the best hopes and dreams for that was that it was going to be a really good electric car that would start to get the ball rolling on electric cars being a viable thing in, in modern society. But anything that would have gone wrong Anything major that would have gone wrong in the process as Model S was coming out. Because you remember, Tesla had practically no income. The Roadster contract with Lotus had ended. So there were no... Tesla was selling no cars. The only finances that they had on the books were from uh, the Daimler... And I, uh, and I think that the, the, to- the time the Toyota was well from the RAV4. The, the battery and uh, PEM licensing deals, the battery technology licensing deals. That was it. They weren't, there was a period of time where they weren't making cars, and if S didn't get out, or if something went horribly wrong, they, they were probably done. I mean, that's, they would have been in serious jeopardy, that's for sure. I mean, think about this. Uh, if you remember back to the Model S fires, which obviously were very blown out of proportion at the time, the media took those and, re- and absolutely went wild. The Tesla's competitors and all the, the uh, FUD folks took those and went wild. You know, it was, we're talking about what was three or four battery fires out of however many tens of thousands of cars. Even Elon even came out and said, you're like t- 100 times less likely to uh, be involved in a fire in a Tesla than you are in a, in a gasoline-powered car. But of course, you know, the, the, that... It, the stock price took a massive hit. You know, the Elon went ahead and took the what was, I think, at the time a great step, and in hindsight, has proven to be absolutely the perfect step. You know, he, he put the the multi-layer titanium battery shields over every car, new and old. You know, retrofitting all the old cars for free. And guess what? you don't hear about a fire problem anymore because, I mean, there never was one, but now you don't hear about it. They don't happen. 
It's the, the batteries are protected. The battery packs are absurdly well. They're not even, it's, it's, it's not a fake Band-Aid. It is a legit battery shield, and that's why you haven't seen any problems. Uh, remember that cool video that Tesla put out showing off the battery shield where they literally ran over a, uh, a, like a tow, a tow hook and then a cinder block and a, uh, I think there was some, and then I think, what did they, I forget they hit a, hit a curb or something like they just, and everything just disintegrated on, at the, at the, at the strength of this shield. It was crazy. But anyway, I mean, the, the other side of the coin is Model X. A lot of things have gone wrong with Model X. Not in a devastating way, but in a, you know, production has been incre- incredibly slow. Dele- there have been so many delays on the car, even just since it was, quote-unquote, released back at the, re- you know, the reveal, uh, rather the, the launch event for X back on September 29th. So if what had happened with X happened with S, it might be a real different story. And Tesla has said publicly, repeatedly, that they have taken the lessons from that and applied them so that they hopefully don't happen with Model 3. So as far as everything having to go right, to your point there, I know I just took, I took you on a really, really long walk to get back to that, and I'm sorry, but, um, te- you know, there, there's, there, is, there are no guarantees. We don't know how it's going to go until they build the car, but they've factored in all of those lessons. They, they seem keen to not repeat the same mistakes. So there's that. Uh, your next point about them losing money for three years straight. That's, that's been by design. However, do note that they do intend to become profitable this year, according to Elon. Now, will this acceleration in uh, production intent s- slow that down or delay that? Maybe. But uh, they have, and they, Elon did say on the call that they intend to raise more capital. Uh, whether it's from a stock offering or what have you. So they seem to have a plan for that. Um, And then you mentioned the stock price. You know, the stock price, it does matter. I don't think Elon really cares. Um, This is, I mean, Elon's a guy who at one point, what, a couple years ago said, I actually think our stock is a little overvalued right now. And then, of course, what happened? The stock went down. But, you know, the stock price... It's, I, you know, I'm not a Wall Street guy. I don't know really much at all about stocks uh, other than I observe Tesla's stock. But I don't think Elon worries about it. I don't think uh, the company worries about it. I don't think it really matters all that much. Um, I suppose if, if everybody started just selling off all their shares thinking that Elon was crazy and that this was an impossible task that he has set for Model 3, then then that could signal a problem. But I suppose in that scenario, Elon would probably just buy them all himself, become the majority shareholder of the company, and just continue to do things exactly as he's doing them. Uh, you mentioned spread, spreading themselves thin with Powerwall and SNX and servicing the existing cars. Well, I think that just ties into the whole growth thing you mentioned. You know, they have a plan for opening more service centers and more superchargers. Uh, Model, S, Model S production seems to be more or less down to a science at this point. 
Uh, Model X is still not quite there, but of course, on the we talked on, on the conference call last week about the X having it, uh, its first flawless production run, and how that so that was a really good sign for the X. And so hopefully, the, the you know the the end of the road is is coming soon for the challenges with building Model X. So. Uh, and then you mentioned also the word you used was an alarming turnover of company executives. I, I mean, I guess I would respectfully disagree. I mean, these these couple of production guys just left. Uh, they they turned over. Uh, was it Ricardo Reyes, the communications guy? You know, that's communications is an area where the company needed fixing. I'm not saying that that's why Ricardo Reyes is not with Tesla anymore. Uh, that's maybe an unfair reach, but you know. Whoever, hopefully, whoever's filling that role, their job is going to be to hopefully fix the communication issue between Tesla and their customers. So, I think you, I think you've put a great call here, Travis. Uh, I think you, you rationally point out a number of valid concerns about the company. But here's the thing: I, it all comes back to something I've, I've, I've said a million times on this show. For me, you may disagree, and that's fine. That's healthy to disagree on things sometimes. Elon Musk is a guy I don't doubt. I, I just I would not bet against Elon Musk. What he has done already is is simply uh, it's well it's unprecedented. DeLorean couldn't do it. Tucker couldn't do it. Bricklin couldn't do it. None of these other guys uh, could do it. And Tesla is long, in my opinion. Tesla is long past the point of uh, of being at risk of going out of business. They are a legit auto manufacturer. The only question is, for me, I think at this point is, how long will it take Model Three to get on the road? You know, it, can they achieve even a chunk of what they're proposing? But Model Three will happen. Elon's going to see to that. And clearly, the demand is there based on the 400 plus thousand orders. So uh, it's all going to happen, and it is happening. It's just a question of what is the real timeline. Because you know, to your point about uh, about concerns about Tesla, we've said all along, timelines have always been the one thing Tesla's been pretty bad at. That is that is their least. That is their that is their big weakness. you know they they managed to to more or less get there. I mean the S was delayed too, but once it got going, it was pretty smooth sailing. The X obviously a different story. The Roadster took a while to finally get get out the door, and then you remember the the very first model, uh, pardon model, the very first Roadsters had a uh, had transmissions, and they had to get rid of them because they were very problematic. Uh, they had to come up with a, a quick solution there, and they did. So you know they've learned from all these things, and uh, it. I really think it's not a question of if; it's just when. So, excellent call, Travis. Thank you for that. And now uh, there, we've got more calls later in the show. By the way, after the break in the Ride the Lightning Hotline segment. But first, I wanted to talk through one more big news story this week. And that is a little bit more coming out of the big Motor Trend visit that they made to the Gigafactory. Talked about it last week about the tires, and you know I, uh, we got the tire sizes. Which, by the way, someone had pointed out to me um, that uh, Bjorn Nyland, who does the excellent YouTube videos 
uh, with he's got a Model S and now a Model X as well. That uh, Bjorn had had actually put out a video confirming the front and rear tire sizes uh, at, back at the Model 3 launch event. So I, I in no way intended to, I mean, I, I credited Motor Trend with that. I didn't mean to uh, step on to step on Bjorn's toes there, but uh, I, at least yeah, I, I, we talked about the prices, which I don't think Bjorn had done when we, you know, to, as I told you, priced out the Pirellis and the Michelin Supersports. But in any case... A little more coming out of Motor Trend. They put out a a big blowout this week. It looks like it's going to be a cover story that that this whole Gigafactory visit with the refreshed S, the X, and, of course, the Model 3 appears to be a cover story coming up for Motor Trend. So I'm going to be looking to pick up that issue. I don't buy buy a lot. I get a couple magazines. I still get Sports Illustrated and Rolling Stone in the mail, uh, which I enjoy on a weekly, uh, or in Rolling Stone's case, semi-weekly basis, but uh, I don't, I never buy anything at the newsstand anymore, but I will probably pick, pick up this motor trend at the newsstand. Yeah, they, they've, so they put out a, uh, a lot of photographs, by the way, which, if nothing else, if you go to that story on, on the motor trend site, there are just some phenomenal Model 3 pictures of the silver prototype that you can download. They've got, if you, if you click on the image, it'll open a, up a big version, and then there's just a download button. They let you download it. There's no Motor Trend watermark on it. So for personal use, it's for me, I, I, I uh, did a desktop background with one of them and then used another one as my, uh, my like Windows lock screen. So uh, do check those out. There's some really, really excellent photographs from prof- <laughs> you know, professional car photographers over there. So uh, what we got out of Motor Trend and their big drop this week, uh, a few nuggets. We, now here's the thing, we can't call these facts just yet because they're not confirmed, which Motor Trend even caveats themselves. But we can call these reasonable approximations of some Model 3 facts, and those are the car's dimensions. So here you go, the length, width, and height as estimated by Motor Trend. Now remember, they had the Model 3 out right next to the S doing photo shoots. They, they, they shot the car all day. So they've spent more time with the car than anyone else outside of Tesla. So I think, and they, they also do this for a living. So I think it's, uh, it's reasonable to uh, take these as, as pretty good approximations of this. So the, the length of the car, 184 inches. Comparatively speaking, the Model S, 196 inches. So that is one foot shorter than Model S. The width of the car. This is a big one for me personally because I, in my home, I do have a garage, but it is a, it is a single car width garage opening that fortunately opens into a much larger space once you get through that. But it's a, it's a, it's a single car width opening that the Model S cannot pass through unless its mirrors are folded in. The X I haven't had the great pleasure of trying yet, because uh, I've uh, not really driven the car other than that one <laughs> brief little weird encounter that I told you about back in December. But uh, 74.2 inches wide for the uh, Model 3 compared to 77 inches for Model S. So Model S is a wide car. If you have one, you know this. If you don't, 
it's a wide car. That's technically less than three inches uh, narrower. So the, the three is, looks like it's still gonna be a pretty wide car. I actually literally already went out and measured <laughs> my garage door opening because I had I was stuck at home with the flu and uh, I figured why not? Might as well just go down there and take a look. Now for me, it looks like, now by the way, that's, uh, that's a without mirrors number. Um, so I, I think I'm probably just barely going to have to fold in the, the threes mirrors in order to get it inside. Now, the good news for me, and maybe any of you that might be in that same position, is unlike the early Model S, which, by the way, see, the, the first P85 that I reviewed for IGN was a 2013 that didn't have auto-folding mirrors. So I had to, I had to pull up to my garage roll down both windows and manually fold in both mirrors and then drive the car into my garage. Fortunately, when I had the, you know, the P85D review car last year, you had the touch of the button to just power fold them in. So we should expect the same, at least Model 3 should have power uh, auto folding mirrors. So uh, it's going to be wide. It's going to be about a foot shorter than the S. And then as for the height, listen to this. Uh, Motor Trend estimates the height of the Model 3 at 56 and a half, uh, pardon me, 56 and a half inches tall compared to 57 inches tall Model S. So effectively the same height. So it's that, it's, uh, it is, you know, that's, that means the interior volume of this thing, which again, I, I've been in the car, but it was crammed in with four other people and, it was quick and it's nighttime, you know, it's tough to tell, but you know, I had headroom in the back. Uh, it felt good. And, but yeah, this thing is going to be about the same height as S. So it's going to be pretty close to the Model S as far as uh, overall dimensions. The main, the main difference being about a foot shorter. Now, this is a quote from the Motor Trend article. Although exact dimensions aren't, aren't available, our estimates suggest it'll be a 90% scale Model S. 6% shorter, 4% narrower, but about a similar height. Listen to this part. However, as the battery's footprint is constrained by the wheelbase, it's maybe 97% of the Model S's wheelbase, the volume of the battery case might only be 6% smaller, suggesting room for as much as an 80 kilowatt hour battery pack at Tesla's current energy density, or a poten potentially, a two they're estimating that would be a 260 mile range. I think we're looking at more than that personally, but that might be, uh, maybe I'm optimistic, you know, but um, we know the, that the cells are, are a slightly larger size cell and they appear to be arranged differently in the Model 3 battery pack. So that could change a lot of, you know, the range, the, the potential energy capacity of that battery pack. But, you know, f this whole time in the run-up to Model 3, we've been told it's going to be about 20% smaller in overall volume than the Model S. And Motor Trend is saying, actually, it looks like, you know, about a 90% scale car. You know, maybe, maybe it won't quite be 20% smaller. Personally, I don't have a problem with that because I know, but some of you might, you know, people, a lot of Model S owners 
I've read uh, on the forums, you know, they intend to get Model 3s and trade in their cars because they actually don't like how big of a car the S is. I like that size, even though I live in a major city, so theoretically I should not want a larger car, I actually kind of do. I like the idea that Model 3 is going to be a pretty good size, pretty close to Model S, because it'll just mean it's a bigger, roomier car that can hold more stuff. I mean, I'm going to be coming from my G35 Coupe, which has just embarrassingly small cargo capacity. Uh, The trunk is just, it's laughable. And the, uh, you know, it's, it's just going to be a, a it's going to feel like a huge upgrade for me in every way. And I suspect a lot of you, because not only, I don't know what car is, you know, everybody's going to come from a different car, but just the new tech in the car and the fact that the, uh, that the electric, all electric design will allow for a larger interior volume. It's going to be. You know, it's going to be a, a, a life changer for a lot of us. So it, it was really interesting to read that model, uh, pardon me, that motor trend piece this week. Uh, and then to, but we're not done. The weight, they estimate the weight at 4,200 to 4,350 pounds. The Model S is approximately 4,600 pounds. So about, um, about 10% less weight. If, if that, if possibly even less. So it's going to weigh a, a pretty good chunk, too. So um, bear that in mind. For I mean, that, that doesn't really affect much. But here's the interesting part that there's been a lot of speculation on, but we've never been able to get anything definitive. This is the part where, where, where I was talking about we can't call these facts just yet. This is exactly what I'm talking about. So this is a quote from the Motor Trend piece. A mass-produced aluminum car is still cost-prohibitive, so the 3 is mainly steel with aluminum panels. Now, that's a quote from Motor Trend, not a quote from Tesla. They don't attribute that information to anyone from Tesla. They're simply stating it as fact, but not saying where it came from. Now, I'm not questioning Motor Trend on this. Motor Trend is a reputable automotive publication that's not in the business of lying, but I just want to put that out there with saying we can't quite set this in stone yet. It's, it's been something that all of us have been very curious about. How much aluminum is going to be in the three? You know, what's, what's it really going to be like? But the fact is, Motor Trend has had, again, a full day of up-close time with this car. You know, I'm sure they peeked under it. Not that you can necessarily see a lot because it's just battery pack under there, really. And uh, But... Did they talk to Tesla about this? I don't know. It's, I'm curious exactly where they got this from. But if we take it as gospel for now, it would be very interesting. It would be a steel-constructed car, but with aluminum body panels, which I, my only concern there is... I mean, I'm fine. I mean, yeah, aluminum body panels are great. In fact, my my... 10-year-old G35 has, a, has an aluminum hood. It's like a, it was like a weight savings thing that they tout as a cool feature. But, um, you know, the accident repair has been a thing for Model S owners where that aluminum repair is not easy. Now, I know that's not just talking about the body because that's the whole car, but, you know, that's, that's something to consider. So it's, it's interesting 
to hear this and we'll see if it sticks. If indeed the car is a steel constructed car, but with aluminum body panels. Uh, so again, that's the Motor Trend piece. In fact, that's the end of the, the all the relevant news I wanted to cover this week. Again, take a look at that Motor Trend story. It's a really good read because there's also a great write-up that's analyzing the whole design and design language of the Model 3. Just some really interesting analysis from people who study cars all day. Cars from all makes, all manufacturers, not just Tesla. They provide an interesting perspective and an interesting insight into it. I mean, I'll tell you overall, they very much liked the design of the Model 3, but I would go read it. I think it's a really good piece. And again, there's dozens of amazing professional photos of the Model 3 that are a lot better than, than those sort of concept, um, you know, the, the, the press kit that Tesla had sent out. So take a look at it. And with that, I'm going to take a short break, come back, and we've got a number of good calls. As usual, every week we have good calls. I'm so grateful to all of you folks for continuing to call in with great stuff. Be right back with that after this. All right, it's time once again for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. I remind you, if you've got a question, a comment, a discussion topic for the podcast, give me a call. The Ride the Lightning Hotline is open 24-7. It's toll-free, and you dial that up either on the phone or on Skype at 1-888-989-8752. Again, that number is 1-888-989-TSLA. Uh, and if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family, telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Please visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First out of the gate in the hotline segment here is Rainy from the Netherlands, who uh, is curious about, uh, he's, he's questioning that secret battery upgrade in the brand new 70s, Model S 70s. Uh, I'll let him explain. Go ahead. Hey Ryan, this is Remy, your friend from the Netherlands. I am a happy Model 3 reservation holder and uh, I got to our local shop at about 45 minutes prior to shop opening and I was fourth in line. So I am fortunate enough to be one of the first reservation holders in the Netherlands. What I wanted to talk to you about is the Model S uh, 70D, which is upgradable to 75D via software, up, via software upgrade. You said that some people could consider to spend the extra couple of thousand dollars, but to be honest, I would never really do it because of battery degradation. If you count in that the battery is going to degrade some percentages every year, why would you get the software upgrade to a 75D? I mean, if the 70D actually is a 75D, wouldn't you have the benefit of those extra kilowatt hours in a couple of years? Maybe I'm getting this wrong, but let me know what are your thoughts on this. Uh, and a last note, did you see the rainbow effect on the charger port on the Model S? I really like it. Good. Uh, keep making a good show. Thank you very much. Ramey, I, I actually respectfully disagree here, and here's why. There's a good reason why, and it's a, it's a happy reason. The degradation issue while real, has proven to be a much slower process on the Roadsters and S's 
that uh, than even Tesla had predicted and had told its customers. So we've we've seen very very little on the the super high mileage roadsters, and the in fact the roadsters are getting older at this point. Some of the roadsters are what seven going on eight years old now. So uh, there's mileage and there's time, and they're holding up. The packs are holding up very very well, and of course the quality of the cells gets better and better. The those you know the new Model S seventy uh, that you're referring to that of course has the the software locked 75 kilowatt hour battery in it that's you know that's tesla's latest latest battery pack so uh the good news is with that degradation issue really not being much of a factor i think there's plenty of potential value again it's a case-by-case basis Uh, you know you're in the netherlands i suspect you get some cold winters so maybe that extra sorry i don't know kilo <laughs> kilometers but you know that extra 15 to 20 miles of range particularly in your winter could be the difference between having a nice comfortable buffer to get you you know maybe from your home to a relative's house that you visit over the holidays you know whatever the case may be you know for some people it may indeed prove worth that uh, $3,250. So I, I do think there's potential value to it, not necessarily for everyone. And that's why, uh, that's one reason why anyway, that Tesla has simply just put it in there and made it as a, as a software unlock. So, uh, so yeah, I, I wouldn't quite discount it just yet. Next up from my birth state, my original home state of New Jersey, uh, represent New Jersey Joe from Voorhees replying to Cynthia's call from last week's show about uh, the leasing. We've been talking about leasing versus buying a little bit and how maybe with a Tesla, leasing is something to consider where you might not ordinarily do so. So, Joe, take it away. Yeah, hey, um, I just listened to uh, episode 40 um, on the uh, podcast and uh, heard a woman talking about uh, buying a car with the uh, three-year purchase agreement through Tesla. Um, I'm leasing my 2016 Model S, and uh, I realize that there's a mileage charge, some other charges involved with uh, ending that lease and beginning that lease. And, of course, uh, they'll inspect the car uh, when it's turned in. Uh, Of course, my option is to buy that car if I want to buy that lease out at the end of the three years. Uh, I think there's a misconception among uh, the people who take that three-year financing option from Tesla that they can put uh, 60,000 miles on that car in three years or they can pretty much do whatever they want with that car. And then after the three years, they can take that car in and Tesla's going to offer them 50% 50% of the uh, value, the original list price, and uh, 30% for the um, accessories. Well, that may be true, but they're not going to take a car with 60,000 miles and not hit you for a charge for all that excess mileage. And I'm pretty certain that that uh, financing agreement has very clear language as to the acceptable mileage uh, on that car when it's turned in, plus uh, any modifications or maintenance that's required during that three-year period 
to uh, um, end that uh, agreement and uh, have that car be bought out by Tesla. So uh, I just want to make that comment that, hey, just because you're going with that financing through Tesla uh, doesn't mean that you're getting out of you know, uh, the uh, agreements pretty much the same with the lease. Uh, and uh, there will be charges for excess mileage on that car, excess wear and tear, uh, and, and other items, just like a, a leased car. So basically, if you want to avoid all that, the only way to really do that is to buy the car outright and keep it. Uh, that's my point. Um, so uh, I'm leasing, very happy so far. My lease payment is astronomical. Uh, I put a, a much a considerable amount more money down uh, than the minimum, and it's still pretty high. But to tell you the truth, it's manageable, and I'm enjoying the car. And I may or may not uh, um, undo that lease at the end of three years. I may keep it. Um, I'm uncertain at this point. We'll see in uh, 33 months. <laughs> All right. That's my point. Thanks. Um, my name's Joe. I'm from uh, Voorhees, New Jersey. Thanks. Bye. So I don't want to go too far down the, this whole road because, uh, you know, I'm not a financial expert or, or a leasing expert. Uh, and I, you know, everybody's got their, their way to go. But the point of, of that call and that conversation last week was, was simply that a Tesla may be worth considering a leasing option with where you might not have otherwise considered it due to the pace, the rapid pace at which Tesla's tech is advancing. But the lesson that you're driving at, Joe, is one worth reminding everyone Always read anything very carefully before you sign it, whether it's a lease agreement, a purchasing agreement, especially anything at, where the dollar value is up, you know, in a car territory. So, um, you know, it's, there, are, there are pluses and minuses. And, you know, the three-year guarantee thing, you know, check, check to see what strings may be attached to it. You know, that's, it seems to be working for Cynthia, but as you know, you know, it might not work for you and it might not work for others. So, uh, great call there. I love it when callers call in to add other good points to what, what other callers have said. On that note, Tom from Salt Lake City uh, has a question on leasing stuff, too, that I think can add to this discussion as well. Tom, you're on the air. Brian, this is Tom from Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm a new listener, really have enjoyed the podcast so far. Uh, also new to the EV market and Tesla. I've listened to your last couple podcasts and uh, had a question about the lease versus buy uh, discussion that has gone on. One point that I haven't heard brought up in the discussion is how the um, EV tax credits factor into that decision. My understanding from what I've read so far is that the tax credit goes to the lease company who handles the lease as opposed to the purchaser of the car or the lessee. And so um, if you lease the car, you effectively don't get the benefit of the tax credits. I was wondering if you knew anything more about that or could confirm that, because I think that would definitely weigh into my decision whether to lease or buy the car. Thanks again for uh, the podcast and all you do and bring to the market. Thank you. Great point here, Tom. Uh, so I had to dig through this, and it turns out uh, you, you, in fact, do not get the tax credit on a lease, but 
sometimes the the uh, leasing company may consider that in creating the lease payment since they get the money. So, you know, in other words, they might help you out a little bit on lowering your payments. Uh, but I did double check this at Tesla's site itself. The good news, some states, including California, uh, do give you the state level incentive, even if you're leasing rather than just buying. So in California's case, it is, a, it is an income restricted $2,500 state rebate. So you can still get that if you meet the household income requirements, uh, even if you're leasing the car rather than purchasing it. And I know you're from Salt Lake City. And by the way, uh, welcome to the show, Tom. You say you're a new listener. So thank you for that. Thanks for, for giving it a try. Um, Utah was not on Tesla's list of, uh, of states where, where the, uh, that happened to apply. But nevertheless, always check into it, whichever state you happen to be living in. Next up, from my, uh, my other home state, <laughs> where my family still resides and where we all transplanted out in the late 80s when I was a, a, uh, a schoolboy, Mario from Phoenix, Arizona, uh, is curious about a very unfortunate hypothetical that I kind of covered a little bit earlier. So, uh, Mario, I'll leave it to you. Go ahead. Ryan, hey, how you doing, man? This is Mario from Phoenix, fellow Model 3 reservation holder, uh, sitting in the steel floor. Uh, and a couple things I wanted to get your input on. Uh, one thing is on the earnings call, you know, Elon was really that he's trying to for 500,000 cars in 2018. Uh, and I wanted to get your take on that, you know, pros type thing. Um, pros being obviously that there's going to be more cars on the road a lot faster. Uh, being that there could be, you know, more issues. Um, you know, people might lose interest. It takes long. But I'm of the opinion that I'd rather them take, you know, a couple of years and get it right and all the bugs worked out. Uh, so I want to get your take on that. Also, uh, the second question I had was kind of an abstract. Like, what would happen if, God forbid, something happened to Tesla? You know, and they went under. What would happen to the cars? Like, they wouldn't be able to support it anymore. Obviously, there wouldn't be, like, updates. Um, I know any cellular connection. I mean, would that just go away? Um, I want to see about that. So, anyway, love the show, man. Keep it up. Thanks. Well, I feel like I pretty well covered the uh, growth plan situation, both last week and even, in fact, earlier this week on the show. But it, it's, it's interesting to discuss your other point, your hypothetical about what would happen if Tesla went under. You know, I talked just a few minutes ago about how I really don't think that's happening. Like, we have, we're past that point. Like, that, the bridge, what was a rickety rope bridge... Uh, I think has been turned into a a solid high tech concrete earthquake proof <laughs> bridge, but I wonder if you know the the Teslas would there there are a lot of them on the road now if the company suddenly went under so there would inevitably be a decent bit of support because with that many cars out there there would be companies that would scramble to try and service the you know there are a total of well, more now, over 100,000 cars worldwide. Uh, what It's like 60-something thousand, 60-plus 60 thousand in the U.S. So that's not insignificant. 
to put that in perspective, DeLorean, there were nine, about 9,000 DeLoreans made, and today, with the best estimate of 6,000 DeLoreans remaining, there are, with the overwhelming majority of those in the United States, there are one, two, three, four official, quote-unquote, official DeLorean service centers with, you know, full parts and service availability that are, they're regional-based, plus, uh, plus another one in New York that's, that's not tied to that DeLorean company, but is nevertheless a, uh, a very, very reputable shop. So really kind of like five. But yeah, anyway, so I, I bring that up because It'd be the same thing, except on a bigger scale, I think, with Tesla. Of course, the car's loaded with proprietary technology. You'd have to... But I think people would find a way to service the batteries, um, probably maybe find a way to get cells from Panasonic as needed. I, I, the Tesla community, what I have learned in being a, some small part of it, or at least observer of it, for the last gosh, seven years now, is they're a very smart, very resourceful bunch. They're not, they're not just like, you know, muscle car guys, like guys who like 60s muscle cars. Those are cars that you, you can work on yourself in your own garage, and they're sort of simple enough that you can and that community takes pride in doing that. That's what they love about, that's one thing they love about having those cars is doing it all yourself. A Tesla, you couldn't. But with the, the, the Teslas have attracted such a, a tech-savvy crowd. I'm very confident that the community would really support each other in, in keeping the cars on the road and serviced and in good shape. And I, I think it would survive for many years. I really, truly do. There, people would find a way, and the community would find a way. All right, what do we got here? One, two, let's do three more calls. Next up is a fellow Ryan. Always good to hear from a fellow Ryan. Ryan in Cleveland, who... Uh, has a question about the Robo Snake. Remember the Robo Snake from way back in the, the first couple episodes of the show? Ryan, take it away. Hey, Ryan. This is also another Ryan in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, just call in real quick because I can't get enough uh, Model 3 information, and I found your uh, podcast uh, just the other week, and I started from the beginning, and I got to episode two, and you mentioned really quickly the Robo Snake. Um, so, uh, I thought I had, uh, some more info I'd, I'd just, uh, offer up for a conversation. Um, you were talking about how it would be useful for tight garages, but I think what's really exciting with that is in conjunction with Summon and its ability to auto drive itself without a pilot across the country. And Elon mentioned that really quickly that, you know, within a few years, we should be able to summon our, our car from across the country and it could come pick us up. So, that combined with uh, robo snakes at superchargers would allow you know you to actually summon your car from very far away and it could plug itself in, charge up, and come to you, um, which I thought was uh, much more exciting than it plugging itself in at my house. Um, but um, just thought I'd share that because I thought it was pretty sweet. Thanks. 
First of all, Ryan, uh, excellent call and welcome to the show as well. I appreciate that you started listening from the beginning. That is, that is uh, again, that warms my heart to hear, especially because the shows are, they're kind of time sensitive. You know, they cover the week's topics. So the fact that you would, you would uh, take any enjoyment out of going back and listening to the old ones. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And you make a great point because back then when I, that was, you know, episode two or three, whatever it was, uh, when I was talking about the uh, the charger, the Robo Snake, the Robo Charger Snake. If by the way, if you guys don't remember what I'm talking about, uh, just Google it, and you'll find it. You know, Tesla has a prototype of which they released a video of it, of a of a Tesla charging cable that automatically sensed a a, a Tesla next to it, and and actually snaked its way up and plugged itself in to the car all on its own, and it looks like a super creepy metallic snake. So you've got to see that if you haven't seen it already. But yeah, you know, back then when that prototype of that robo-snake was unveiled, we didn't know about someone yet. So I would, I would piggyback your thoughts by saying on a slightly more practical and feasible level... In case that whole cross-country summon thing that Elon mentioned happens to take a while, the uh, the Robo Snake charger could be used so that if you wanted to, you wouldn't even have to get out of your Tesla at the supercharger. And I know, of course, a lot of you that are owners like to use that supercharger time to stretch your legs, grab a bite to eat, etc. But if the weather's horrible. Either it's cold, it's snowing, it's raining. You might just want to hang out in the car and the RoboSnake could just plug itself in, get your car charged up, unplug itself, and you'd be on your way without ever leaving the cozy confines of your uh, Tesla cabin. So that is, a, that is an interesting thought to bring back, Ryan. I appreciate that call in light of, in light of uh, all the summon stuff that's gone on over the last number of months. All right, on a good roll here, let's go to Dan in Pittsburgh, who was in San Diego and rented himself a Model S and uh, has a supercharger question regarded, regarding that. So, Dan, go ahead. Hey, Ryan, this is Dan from Pittsburgh. I am a Tesla fan and a Model 3 reservation holder. Um, I also own a Chevy Volt. I've got a model uh, 2011 with about 45,000 miles on it. So I recently rented a Model S uh, 85 from a uh, major car rental agency in San Diego uh, a couple of weeks back as I've been following uh, Tesla more more closely in the last year or so. I'm not in a position to, to acquire a Model S, but the Model 3 is, of course, very intriguing based on its its cost. And obviously, I was more than impressed with the vehicle. Um, and actually, after that experience, I, I did actually place that uh, reservation for the Model for Model Three. So during my visit there to San Diego with the Model uh, the Model S, I used two different superchargers around the San Diego area. There's two around that that location, uh, both uh, somewhat north of the city. Um, so one of the things that got me thinking is that, you know, the superchargers that I was hitting up during the middle of the day were relatively full. I mean, I, there was one that had 12 spots, and I was the last one in. 
Um, now, of course, cars left as I was sitting there getting charged up. And then the other one was a, was a little bit smaller supercharger, maybe had five, six spots. And that one also, you know, cars come and go, but they were full. And, you know, it started to get me to thinking that as Tesla grows um, the number of cars significantly um, that are actually out in the marketplace, what are they going to do with the number of superchargers that are out there? Um, certainly in the California area, I think it's going to be a much bigger problem than it is in a place like Pittsburgh where we don't have as many cars. But I'm just curious if you have any insight or thoughts. Um, might have been something that's been discussed prior, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm new to the environment here and just thought I'd post that question. Thank you. You know, Dan, you, you make a good point here because Elon said at the Model 3 reveal that they have plans to add many more superchargers this year, next year. But since you, re- you said you reserved your Model 3 after renting the S in San Diego, so if, maybe, if you happen to not see the reveal, you should, I would definitely recommend checking it out. The full audio of it is on episode 35 of this podcast. But better yet, go to the Model 3 page on the Tesla website and just watch the whole thing. But anyway, uh, you bring up a great point that in this new plan to accelerate production, that means that if potentially, if Elon actually hits the goal of 100 to 200,000 of us have our Model 3s by the end of next year, and then three to 400,000 more uh, Model 3s come off the line in 2018, that is going to seriously strain the supercharging network. And I hadn't really thought about the effect of this increased production plan on the supercharging growth plan. So hopefully Elon and the team have their eye on the ball with that because you're absolutely right that it could be a potentially huge problem that creates negative news around what should be an incredible release of the Model 3 if, you know, if at the end of, say, 2017, early 2018, you don't want newscasters doing stories of Tesla's, you know, new Model 3, affordable Model 3 electric car has been a hit, but owners are finding that the free juice they were promised is coming at a cost. Time. Their people are having to wait for 30 minutes each to get their free juice. So, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to see that hit the news. And you also mentioned it, it would, California would be the worst because not only do we just have a very, very high concentration of Teslas here in general, but California is, of course, where deliveries are going to start. So those hundred to 200,000 cars that are earmarked for, 27, for late 2017, you know, a good chunk of those are probably going to find their way to California. So, uh, excellent point, Dan. And let's hope that uh, that hasn't slipped through the cracks on Elon and his team as they, as they increase production plans. All right, been on fire here. Great calls. Love everybody that's calling in. Let's do one more call. Let's hear from Kadar in Queens, New York, uh, who actually, he has his own, speaking of charging, not supercharging, but he has a charging concern. Uh, He echoes me about uh, being half terrified that the car might arrive early, like I was saying last week. But yeah, he's got his own charging concern, so I'll let him take it away. Hi, Ryan. This is Kadar from Queens again. 
I have a question um, in regards to the subject that you brought last week about being half terrified um, about the uh, you know early production of the Model 3s. Now my question is, I'm sure this is uh, probably not a big issue for the for the current current uh, Tesla owners. By current, I mean Model S, Model X, and Roadster owners. Um, the people who live in apartments and uh, they park their cars in parking facilities that offer charging and the additional fee for charging and for parking is not an issue for those people who can afford those cars. However, I believe that the majority of Model 3 reservation holders are not as wealthy and the extra fees are going to be a uh, bigger hit for those people. For example, <clears throat> me, I have never owned a car which is worth more than $10,000. I'm, I'm in my mid-20s uh, and my Model 3 is going to be the biggest investment of my life. Uh, I currently park on the street and I don't pay for parking. So if, and I rent an apartment, I don't have a garage. So when I get my Model 3, I will have to pay for parking, which costs about $300 here in New York City. And charging will cost me also additional $100 a month. Or my option two is to charge at superchargers. I will probably do it after work, not during the peak hours. And option three, which is, you know, plausible, but um, least possible, is to rent a house and then uh, install a charging uh, in the garage. Rent a house with the garage, obviously. So I would like to know if uh, anybody else has the same concerns like me, if anybody else needs to do any additional preparations uh, for their new electric car. And if there are any um, similar, any other people with a similar um, questions. Thank you. I love the show and keep up the good work. Excellent call here. And you're right. It is worth thinking about this if you don't have a garage. Because let's be honest, one of, an electric car is currently speaking, an especially difficult proposition if you don't have a garage to park it in. The only way that's going to go away is to have chargers everywhere. Public, public you know, libraries, parking garages, uh, potentially even gas stations at some point. You know, wherever they can be, they, they're going to need to be if the, if the EV movement is going to really get off the ground. The good news is it's starting to happen now. You know, superchargers are spreading out. Uh, destination chargers are accelerating uh, there the, as far as the rollout of those. Now, if I were you, Kadar, I would start calling around, or better yet, going in person to see for yourself, to garage structures around your apartment in Queens. I would go 
Go see how nice the garage is. See if you have to get on a waiting list just to get a spot. See if you have to sign an annual contract for a space or if you can go month to month. Does the parking garage have charging available? Obviously, that's going to be one of your first questions. If they don't, when will they? You know, maybe you make a spreadsheet and you go, you sort of canvas your immediate neighborhood, your immediate area of where you're willing to have your car live and start a spreadsheet of, you know, where, what's the name of the parking garage? You know, was it nice? Did it have, you know, how safe is it? Come up with some criteria that you can sort of rate all these potential parking spots in for yourself and, uh, you know, do some reconnaissance work so that you're ready when your model three is ready. Now, uh, it's a lot to consider and, but here's the thing, you know, getting all that Intel now could help you adjust course and, and by that, I mean, adjust course now on your plans. If, if you don't get the answers, you're, you know, what if your neighborhood turns out to be kind of a bust? Like maybe all the garages are full. Maybe all the garages are, don't have, you know, charging, whatever the case may be, you can, if you start that recon work now, you can decide soon if you'll know soon if you're going to need to take drastic action, uh, as you said, such as maybe having to rent a house somewhere that has a that does have a garage that you can put in a charging system. It's it is it's worth mentioning. To, this is I think this is a really relevant call to all city dwelling uh, would be Model Three owners that may be out there in the audience. So excellent call there. Excellent calls everybody. This week again, the toll-free number. If you want to ring up with a question, comment, discussion topic, it's one eight 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 nine eight nine eight seven five two. That's uh, toll-free on either the phone or Skype. So, uh, well, of course, we'll do more calls next week. I love it. Let me take a quick breather here, and I'll come back and wrap up right after this. All right, friends, follow me on Twitter if you are a Twitter person. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan, or you can always email me. The show email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. If you're a video gamer, I work at IGN.com, which is a pretty cool video game website. And yes, I'm totally, totally biased in saying that. They, in fact, pay me (laughs) to say that, but... Now, we have a great time. Uh, E3 is coming up, by the way, which is the big annual video game trade show every year, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, uh, where that, it's, like, it's like Christmas morning for video gamers because all the big announcements, all these crazy, awesome, big new games from all the big companies get announced there. So we're going to be covering that in full force. Uh, that is going to be a good time. So IGN.com is where you can follow me by day if you are so interested. My t-shirt website for some cool video game and geek-inspired t-shirts and a coffee mug is nerdstyles.com. Take a look at that if you're curious. I remind you to subscribe to Dave T's weekly Tesla newsletter at teslaweekly.com. Very, it almost couldn't be easier to sign up over there. Dave T does an excellent job week in and week out. As always, teslarati.com. Love the crew there. They're, they do such a great job of covering Tesla news, and they're so kind each and every week to uh, help spread the word about this podcast, and they post up when it, when it goes live. 
listen to the car, listen to the podcast in your car, your, your Tesla, I mean, via TuneIn. Got to go on the TuneIn site, search Ride the Lightning podcast or Tesla podcast. You'll find it, follow it on there, then you'll find it in your favorites within the car itself. And I wanted to leave you with a little something interesting this week. Uh, you might not like it. You know, I, I had some, some feedback uh, very early in the show when I, when I was first using the actual song Ride the Lightning by Metallica as the theme song of the show. Turns out not everybody likes heavy metal. So I'm about to play a heavy metal song for you. But it was sent in by Kip from Seattle. I'm going to let him set it up. But, and then I'm just going to play it. It's only a minute and 14 seconds long. Uh, all I'll say about this before I go is uh, it's, the song is called Elon. And I highly recommend searching this on YouTube and watching the video, even if you do so on mute. Because it's an animated, it's like a cartoon music video of basically young Elon Musk doing a bunch of stuff that's talked about in the song. So this is a, this is, uh, again, Kip's going to explain it, but right after Kip explains it, sets it up, it is a heavy metal, a speed metal song about Elon Musk. So uh, enjoy it or don't. It's kind of just cool, regardless of whether or not you actually like it. But I'll see you guys next week. Here's Kip from Seattle and the band Raptor Command to take us out. Hi, Ryan. This is Kip from Seattle. I thought you might appreciate uh, a musical group that I just heard about called Raptor Command. It's like the bird, Raptor. You can find it on Spotify, and they're a tribute band for, to a hard, heavy metal tribute band to Elon Musk. Have fun. Yeah.